It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. <laughs> Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. What do you know about radioactive waste? I'll tell you what I know about it. Not very much. We assume that it's pretty dangerous. We assume that it's not a good idea to live anywhere near it. And we assume it's not something we want transported around the country's residential areas. But guess what? The government's come up with a new plan. And it doesn't sound too clever to me. They've decided that our national parks are a great place to bury nuclear waste. That's right. Beneath the Lake District, beneath all sorts of different parts of the country, perhaps under Dartmoor, perhaps under Exmoor, Surely that's not the best idea, is it? 0344 499 1000. We'll be finding out uh, with a nuclear expert coming up very shortly. Also coming up, Dawn Neeson and I are going to be talking about children and why not having them shouldn't make women feel inadequate in some way. Uh, Jennifer Aniston has basically said that people thought there was something wrong with her because she reached the age of 48 and didn't want to have kids. Plus, we'll be finding out just why royal princesses Beatrice and Eugenie hate living in the public eye. Poor diddums. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Dawn Neeson on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Well, it's another lovely sunny day. Uh, who knows what we will end up doing between now and the end of the uh, the afternoon. Dawn Leeson is here. Very good morning to you, Dawn. Good morning, Mike. And it's a lovely day out there. What a lovely day. I mean, it's, I'm feeling a bit like Ken Dodd now, I'm about to say. This was a lovely day for burying some nuclear waste underneath the uh, beautiful-looking uh, uh, national parks of the Lake District. Find the most beautiful place in the country yeah. and bury something really poisonous, toxic, that's yeah. going to kill you very, very soon. Now, yeah. it won't surprise you to know that I've been doing my research very avidly this morning to try and discover exactly what happens to nuclear waste now and what should be done with it. And apparently, there are such things as low-level nuclear waste, like gloves, which are contaminated with nuclear uh, materials, right? Now, yeah. apparently, you can incinerate those and you can burn those without any worries. Other things uh, which are more dangerous and more toxic are generally put inside a glass case and buried, as far as I can tell. So that's what we're doing now already. We are burying this stuff now, but where are we Apparently burying it Apparently so. Now? Well, that's what I don't know. So what we need to do now is talk to John Large, who's an independent nuclear consultant, and he's going to be able to uh, educate us and tell us uh, 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 all about the nuclear business and what we're currently doing right and what we might be doing wrong. John, a very good morning to you. Welcome. 
Oh, hi to you. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Now, I mean, it's one of these things. We, we see, uh, Dawn was, was saying to me earlier, reminding me that, you know, we sometimes see trains carrying nuclear waste going through parts of Essex that you wouldn't really probably care about if they did get destroyed by some kind of nuclear <laughs> Sorry, mushroom Essex. cloud. However, <laughs> nothing to do with, you know... Your thing about Cumbria being the most beautiful place in England. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty nice up there. But, I mean, where does the nuclear waste go at the moment? How much of it is there? Uh, and is it a crisis, as far as, I can, as far as I can tell? Well, first of all, I should say that your research has uh, left you badly informed, has probably it? as badly informed as the uh, select committee who wrote this report. <laughs> well, I mean, um, good company then. Yes. <laughs> well, the, uh, look, the radioactive waste goes nowhere at the moment because there's no national radioactive waste repository or management scheme. The radioactive waste effectively stays at the site of generation. So what happens is a nuclear power plant will produce all sorts of low and intermediate level waste and that will stay at the power station until a decision is made nationally what to do with it. And what the government is doing is trying to inch towards that decision. The problem is that the nuclear power stations also produce some very high-level waste, and that very high-level waste is called by the government um, not to be waste but to be an asset. And it's that nuclear fuel, the irradiated nuclear fuel, that you see in transit on the railways going up to Sellafield. So what we have in the UK is something like a spider's web. You have Sellafield at the middle and then the power stations and the other nuclear facilities around the outside and transport links going into Sellafield. And, of course, one of the problems with radioactive waste disposal is you've got to transport it to the actual radioactive waste site. Right. And that means increasing dose, increasing hazard and risk of accident and radiation exposure to communities. Right. So, I mean, at the moment, what you're saying, John, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm correct, is that actually, you know, the idea that we bury it somewhere or that we fire it off into space, these are all just stories that we think are happening, but are not happening. Absolutely. I mean, the problem is, what you've missed, of course, and I don't want to be too critical of No, you, no, please, be as critical as you like. I can take it. We're not nuclear physicists I'd say, I mean, no I did, say, I did say at the not. start of the show, I don't know much about nuclear waste. Well, the point is, not only have got the continuing generation of nuclear waste caused by nuclear power plants such as uh, Haysham and Torness and Hinkley Point and the new one at Hinkley Point, we have this enormous legacy mountain or stockpile of waste which is reckoned to cost about £100 billion to actually dispose of or to manage. So not only have we to catch up with this enormous stockpile... Look, I gave... I gave evidence to a House of Commons committee in 1984 on the radioactive wastes at Sellafield, and nothing has been done since that time. So it's a very serious problem. And incidentally, the government actually held a public inquiry in the 90s to look at radioactive waste disposal, again in Cumbria, and that was rejected because even at 600 metres deep, you really couldn't satisfy... The situation, look, radioactive waste, when you dispose of it, it doesn't matter how, how you contain it, whether you put it in a, a glass vitrified case or whatever, or you burn it. The problem is that it's like a leaking tea bag. If you dispose of a tea bag, eventually the tea and the toxics will come out through the tea bag, they will seep out through the tea bag, get into the environment, and then that contamination undergoes a migration up to the human shell, if you like, to, to where we occupy this uh, glorious uh, heat. So can I just get this straight? So all the, the waste that Sellafield has produced is still there underneath Sellafield? It's still there uh, underneath, on top, and, around. And how many years is that? 
Oh, we'll sell the fields. What's it say? <laughs> we get, we're, we're going into the name game in change. Well, they've changed the name a couple of times. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Now it's called Sellerfield. I think it'd be yeah. called Leafy Meadows. Soon. Yeah, it used to be called Nuclear Winter, I think, the first time around. Yeah, but listen, yeah. what about... I, one of, one of the, you know, you, in roughly about 48. You've accused me wow. of being grossly ignorant on the subject, right? However, oh, one are. of the things that I did find when I was searching around earlier is there's a couple of companies that claim to be radioactive waste disposal companies. Now, what, if they're not disposing of the waste, then what are they doing? What they're doing is packaging the waste and putting it into store. And uh, there effectively is no disposal management systems in the UK at the moment. In fact, it's very difficult to find an effective radioactive waste disposal system anywhere in the world. No one has really tackled this uh-huh. problem of doing it. Look, if I was... The, um, and the solution that's proffered here of digging a hole and throwing the waste down yeah. is not particularly sophisticated. Look, if It doesn't I, sound if very I good to me. a hole in my <laughs> garden in sunny Greenwich, where yeah, I am, right. a, a wonderful, beautiful place in the British Isles, by the way, yeah, you've got Deptford right next door. That's a nice spot as well, lovely. Yeah, the, the, local authority, the local authority would chase me through the Environmental Protection Act. Oh, yeah. Through the courts. That's right. So and quite right, too. Of digging a hole. And I say, if you're disposing of tea bags, eventually they come out uh-huh. and they get into the local environment and they migrate up to the surface yeah. where we occupy the world. So now, one of the one of the sorry, Dawn. One of the reasons that the Commons uh, uh, Business, Energy, and Industrial Strategy Committee, uh, which sounds like a bit of a mouthful, uh, <laughs> say that they've chosen the Lake District and some of the uh, natural uh, uh, national parks that we have, is that they are uh, geologically uh, suited to burying uh, waste. Does that mean anything to you? Or it's a long way off from Whitehall. Well, yeah, that's also true. <laughs> that's but also, true. and also, a long way off from a lot of areas of high dense population. One of, the, one of the big challenges, one of the big challenges in radioactive waste disposal, if you talk about burying it, is the geological barriers. What, what, what generally the engineers will say is this: is they say, well, put it in a container, some form of container. It might be a vitrified glass container, it might be a copper container, and that container will last for so many years. You typically they use 500 years, and then the container breaks down, and the waste starts seeping out. Like, like my leaking tea bag, yeah. and then you're dependent upon the natural barriers, the geological barriers, to actually slow down or halt that migration to the surface. And of course, one of the real problems is water. If you've got water, subsurface water, that means it can accelerate the migration and the transportation of these wastes. And remember, some of the wastes here have got half-lives of five to 10,000 years, and that means in terms of radiological exposure and risk, a typical half-life, you multiply it by 10, so you could have, say, plutonium, which is produced at Sellafield or separated at Sellafield. Plutonium-239 has a half-life of 24,400 years, thereabouts, so that's good for about a quarter of a million years. So your repository system, your deep hole, has to manage radioactive material that's going to stay a threat to mankind for a quarter of a million years. And, and you say putting it, <laughs> putting it somewhere wet is not a good idea. So the Lake District, which is officially the wettest place in the entire country and has a lot of lakes in it, mm. is, is probably not the right place? Well, it's the subterranean lakes that one worries about. It's the water moving through mm-hmm. and bringing material up from very deep locations, two to a thousand metres yeah. deep, up to the surface. And, of course, it's rather like a horse race. Once you dispose of radioactive waste... You've started the, the runners, the horses are off and 
coming round the bend, you can't stop them. Yeah. Once it's out into the environment, there's no real clean-up techniques available to you. Right. So you have to be absolutely certain that the radioactive waste disposal system that you put in, here being a deep hole, is absolutely guaranteed for future generations. Right. Well, let me ask you this, John, because you partially answered the question I was going to put to you, which is that there isn't really any clear-cut way of doing this in any country in the world that we can learn from. Um, If we do not bury it underneath our national parks, um, I mean, how much of it is there and how much will it grow over the course of time uh, in terms of the the amount of waste? And and what else can we do with it? Well, I mean, the the numbers are staggering. There's about 750 to 800,000 cubic metres of radioactive waste of all various categories. Can you put that in a sort of football pitch I, yeah, type I'm, analogy? Cubic metres is not, a bit uh, like... You know, we're not oh, scientists. I, I don't know how many Olympic swimming pools that would be. Well, can you give us a, a guess? <laughs> it would be pretty... It's pretty big. Really? But yeah. more importantly, the, the real waste is called the high-level waste. This is the 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 um, a byproducts of what goes on at Sellafield. At Sellafield, what they do at Sellafield is they take the nuclear fuel not only from British reactors... That's your, that's your railway uh, waste right. that's mm-hmm. been tunneling through Essex. Right. But not only from British reactors, from re- reactors in Japan, in Germany, and other countries to reprocess it at Sellafield. This reprocessing is a lovely word. It means separating out the plutonium from the fissile material. The plutonium is used primarily in the nuclear weapons program because that's a fissile material in the heart of a nuclear weapon, or for new nuclear fuel for reactors. But the fissile waste, that's absolute waste. And it's that waste that has this very long, long half-life and is very, has a very high radiotoxic potential. And that material, there's about 10,000 to 12,000 cubic metres of high-level waste, which is retained in the UK. Some of this is going to be sent back or is being sent back to Japan and Germany, with a, a great deal of resistance, I would say, from them, they're receiving that waste, but primarily Britain holds back a considerable amount of high-level waste, which is the most challenging one to actually dispose of. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Now, uh, this is a fascinating debate for me because, you know, the human species obviously needs to procreate in order to continue. Uh, you'd like to think that it somehow um, advances itself with every generation. I'm not sure that's necessarily true. Uh, however, uh, what's your view on the uh, uh, the motherhood question? Well, I think I can see why Jennifer Aniston is absolutely fed up because she just seems to get asked about it in every interview. Yeah. And there's all these things written about her. Oh, poor Jen. She can't keep a man because of her sort of divorce from Brad Pitt. Why are we still going on about that? That yeah. was years ago. I mean, it seems to me and Brad Pitt can't keep a woman. It seems uh, well, to be more likely to be Well, the exactly. Case. And then as Jennifer Aniston herself has said, how many men without children, especially older celebrity men, are referred to? as childless spinsters yeah right and I just think having a kid it may be natural it may be something that anybody or, or most people if, if, if they're fertile of course can physically do but it's a life changing decision and it's really not one for everyone and I, I don't want kids I'd rather saw off my arms with a rusty chain really honestly why not I just do not find anything about the idea of parenthood that appeals to me uh-huh. I feel like I'm quite a spontaneous person. I struggle to keep on top of daily chores and looking after myself. I shouldn't have responsibility for another human. <laughs> I don't like kids. I don't find them cute and funny. I find them dribbly and sticky and annoying. Okay. And I, think, I don't want one of my own. I think you might find a fellow traveller <laughs> here with yeah, Dawn. Yeah, absolutely, Thea. I mean, I'm, I'm slightly older than you, only by a couple of years, obviously. obviously. Um, <laughs> and I, I was, I, I never wanted children, didn't even enter, didn't even enter a thought process. It was just you know get a job go out to work and that's what I did didn't want children luckily my husband felt the same way even though it wasn't a discussion we actually had did you not no I don't see, think very we actually few sat people. down no, see, and I, don't I think, think you, a lot of people you do really it. need to thrash that out I yeah. mean I like you know in a sort of dating setting I know some people are really kind of scared of getting straight onto the nitty gritty subjects on the first or yeah. second date but I think you have to because mm. you need to know where you stand with that person and right. if you're not on the same wavelength why even date them is it not something you fill out when you do that whole Tinder <laughs> thing you know do you want kids no no it's <laughs> not, not so much that. it's not so much like you you would get a form on say one a more a traditional online dating site where you'd answer those questions Tinder people can just write whatever they want and some yeah. people don't even write anything yeah. or they'll write something really pointless like their Uber rating and yes. it's like I don't really care what what how you talk People to Uber drivers, yeah, or their height, Blimey. or pictures of them travelling or cuddling a tiger in Thailand. Right, that's what you'll find on Tinder. Mm. But no, um, with the my current boyfriend on our first date, we were talking about politics, marriage, kids. Because I just think if if I met a guy who said I'm desperate to be a father, which you you don't think men like that I don't, exist. I, well, no, it's not. I don't uh, think they exist, but I just say don't trust them. I mean, of course they say I, that. Honestly, if I met a bloke who said that, that within the next five to ten years he wants to be settled down with children, I wouldn't even give him a second date because right. I can't offer that. I don't want that in my future. What about if you change your mind in five or six years? Well, people always say that. And I mean, yes, there's always the possibility I'll wake up one day and the hormones will have suddenly given me a... a the a, biological clock The scenario. biological clock. But I have to say, I have even from being a young kid... I didn't even like other kids then. I preferred the company of mm. adults. I never played princesses or babies or, you know, I would rather have played with Barbies because they were adult women mm. and I could have them doing things like 
like doing up their house or going to work. Yeah. And this that's honestly I never Jeep. I never saw it in my future, even as a child myself. Uh-huh. And that still hasn't changed. And even my own mother says to me, Don't be a parent. It's you'd hate it. It's but not for you. you have, but that's unusual as well though, because a lot of people tell me that they've had pressure, particularly from their parents, who want to have grandchildren. No, my if, I think have, I my mum have... I I just think, you know, some people are horrified when I tell them that, but to me it's just an example of, of how well she actually knows me. Sure. That she can see I'd be completely the wrong person no, to be sure. a parent. No, I get that. But what mm. I'm saying is a lot of people get pressured from their parents mm. who want to have grandchildren. No, I don't if you're think... Like well, I don't think my... I am an only child. And I think my... Well, my parents didn't have me till uh, till they were in their early 40s yeah. because they weren't sure if they wanted kids. And I think... They are definitely don't want grandchildren. Mm. So. They don't want grandchildren. Well, they're See, not. That's even weirder they're, than they're, not they're wanting not, kids. They're not actively wanting them. I'm sure if I had a baby, they they would be caring and loving grandparents. I've got no doubt about that. But they don't actively say, "Oh, I really hope we're grandparents yeah. one day." See, my sister wanted to have kids at one point, but wasn't able to for one reason or another. Um, and now she doesn't have them, but she doesn't walk around feeling a sense of regret, even though she did want them. She's got, you know, my kids, who she regards as her niece and nephews and she quite enjoys that when she sees them mm. and she probably wouldn't want them hanging around all the time anyway um, but you're right you do and Dawn says this that when she was working in newspapers you know there isn't really time to spend with children if you want to if you want to have a reasonably fulfilling and busy working life well, you just can't do both I have no. to say I um, in uh, a few years ago I actually used to work for Mumsnet and right. reading some of the discussions that people have on no, the forums there has only served to make me more certain that yeah. I don't want it because I don't ever want to be financially dependent on a man I don't want to give up my work if to care for a child I think parental leave should be more equal and that should be actually enforced mm. that each parent mm. takes an equal amount of time off and the burden doesn't all fall to the woman. Yeah, but the men but don't want to do I that. I cannot so. imagine being in a relationship where children are involved, where things like your spending money or your free time is policed or you're feeling resentful because your partner or the father appears to have more free time for hobbies or yeah. more money to spend than you do. That sounds horrendous. I want the money I own to be mine to do what I please with and my time to be mine to do what I please so with. So if you get married at any point, you I, won't I, have a I, joint I don't, bank account. I don't ever want to get married you purely get married because either. I don't want to join my finances. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Quite a miserable person, aren't you? <laughs> no, I just want to protect what's mine, and I would feel this. And it's nice to share things with people. Yeah, but you can share. You can you can split things. You can treat each other. But I don't want someone willy nilly dipping into money that I've earned. Okay. I think it, in in Jennifer's case, it's because she's she is how old is she now? She's forty nine. Yeah. 40, 49, 48, 48. 49, yeah. And and it's the way people treat. I mean, it's like you know, she's a damaged good. She's selfish for not having children. Well, I, I actually mean, think having children is. It's probably, probably more, more selfish, selfish because know, you're adding to the the population yeah. of the world. Like, do do we really need? Well, we say we, more we, humans well, apparently we, we on the planet. We, well, it depends on where you live, I think, because <gasps> you certainly don't need that many more humans in London. However, apparently we do have failing a falling birth rate. So supposedly you have a duty to continue to procreate in order to make sure that the falling birth rate rises. Well, I mean, but I mean, I'm not going to suggest that you do think, it in order to do your hum- duty for the country. I don't think humanity is going, to, is going to die out over an immediately quick well, period the other of problem, time. I mean, the other but, problem. Right? I mean, I hate to be morbid, but really, 
if if humanity did end up dying out because everyone decided they didn't want kids, would that really be such a bad thing? I mean, have, I have mean. we have we done anything good for this planet? Oh come on, it's not. Let's not get into that <laughs> oh conversation. Oh my god, what <laughs> nuclear waste! I mean, <laughs> I the tragedy of a lot of this, right, is that funnily enough, I mean, Jennifer Aniston. If men were to be honest about themselves and about and with women, they would actually think that Jennifer Aniston was the perfect woman because not only is she beautiful, not only is she wealthy, uh, she doesn't want to have any children. And so actually, most men were honest with themselves and actually worked out that they didn't really want the children that they had, even though they quite like having them, but they never actually really physically needed to have them. You know, she would be the perfect woman. But the other problem with having children is that a lot of very, very uh, stupid people have too many children, and a lot of intelligent people like you are not doing your duty by having intelligent children. <laughs> so we, we introduce IQ tests before you can become a yeah. parent. Yeah, and sterilise the people that don't pass. Uh, well, we can't well, go I think, and, well, we well can't that's, go that's that a bit dictatorish, isn't go, it? I mean, I know, I know I've come on and been very Just cynical slightly. and miserable, but even that's too far for but me. Did you, I mean, Dawn, can you tell us about your decision-making process? Because there must have been moments during your career when people asked you the question all the time, when are you going to have some kids? To, to be honest with you, I don't actually remember anyone being brave enough to actually ask me that question because it, 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 as I said, it never even entered my consciousness to to have children. It wasn't a discussion I had with my husband. We and you just, never had the biological clock scenario? Never, I've, uh, no, I, I have really? no biological clock whatsoever in any okay. way, shape or form. Never have had. But you do, and, and Jennifer points this out, you get either, well, you're, you're selfish for not having children or you get that slightly sympathetic look where it's like, Oh, you obviously couldn't have them, and you just want to put a brave face on it. And it's like, no, I just like you. Not particularly fond of them. I love my niece to bits, but didn't want one. Nice to hand her back at the end of the day when she was little, and I'm very proud of her now. But I didn't want one. I don't. And doing the job I did, I couldn't have done my job to the best of my ability and raised a child, even with a partner who was, you know, doing his first share as well. So, I, I, but it's that sympathetic look you get. Obviously, you can't have them. It's like, no, I want to get a T-shirt. No, I don't want kids. Yeah, good afternoon. Good yeah, afternoon. hi. Yeah, yeah what good would you like to say? Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm the, uh, the equivalent of an evangelical Christian, but an evangelical dad. <laughs> okay. Um, I never, I never, my wife and I went through a divorce in 2014. Right. Uh, 2016, we had a conversation where she said, you're my last hope, I'm never going to, we're both 46 at the time. Right. She said, you know, um, you know, she's just desperate to be a mum. And obviously, you've got to get into a relationship, meet somebody, right. and, and biologically... So you stayed friends was... after the divorce then? Yeah, 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 yeah. Say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, most people hate each other, it's not like that at all. Okay. Um, so she said, yeah, we can do it all through the solicitors, and, and you know, I, I, I tell you what made me, we, we, we did IVF, we did one go, she got pregnant, we have a, we have a 50 month, 60 month old boy. Yeah. The best thing ever, like you said, you love your four kids, you know, more than any, I, yeah. I, I did not know that the love that you feel for your children exists. Yes. The level of love, mm. until it happens, you do not know it's possibly, Absolutely. humanly possible Very to love true. anything as much as you do. But until that um, moment, right, you didn't know uh, that you wanted to even do it. No, no, I tell you, I tell you what made me say yes, I, you know, she was a multi-millionaire. Yeah. Why'd you get uh, divorced, no, by I, the uh, way? What the hell did you get divorced for? Well, don't ask. Don't All right. Ask. Okay. Don't don't ask. Right. Um, I the, won't ask. No, but it's it, it, it's my parents that uh, made the decision. When when well made made the decision for me in my mind. I just thought I you know my dad was eighty at the time. I thought you know I would have to meet somebody. I mean I could have children any time at the age of forty six. Yeah. My dad was eighty. And I just thought, do you know what? I would like my children, boy or girl, whatever it is, um, to know my parents. And that means I have to have a child now. My mm. dad's 80. Yeah. Um, you know, would would she be a great mum? You know, without a doubt, I wouldn't say anything. And she's just been beyond brilliant. Yeah. 
Um, so, you know, we all live together. I live up in the loft. I spend more time with her now than I did when than, than before. Okay. And we do everything together. And it's and you it's don't have e- either one of you don't have another partner or anything like that? No. No, 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 no. Do you I'm not just want to get back together properly now then? I mean, you may as well. No. Well, <laughs> it depends how you feel, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> But is that from? I mean, well, I mean, without wishing to pry, is that from yeah. your perspective or hers? I mean, is it she that doesn't want to get remarried or you? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. We don't, we don't really talk about it. I, I, I don't want to go there. So. Okay, all right. Okay, well, listen, Ian, I appreciate your call. Thank you very much for Pleasure. sharing that. Uh, he's an evangelical dad. A lot exactly. of people are. Yeah. That's really, I mean, a lot of people have very unusual living circumstances now. Um, you know, it's not one thing or the other. Uh-huh. He lives in the loft. He, they share custody of a child. And, you know, sometimes that can work out. Let's talk to Ryan, who's in the New Forest. Hi, Ryan. How you doing, all right? Very well, sir. What would you like to say? Oh, I just want to say, well, um, I'd like to say, your um, can I carry one around and tear it comment? It's the funniest thing I've ever heard um, on talk radio. Oh, uh, well, um, well, thank you. I'm, I'm sure the producer would rather you hadn't repeated it, to be honest. <laughs> oh, no, exactly. But it needed repeating because it did. It was just hilarious. Yeah. But, um, uh, well, one point, obviously, as this person just pointed out, I'd like to say, by the way, kids are great. So if anyone is literally thinking, oh, I'm a bit, you know, I love my single life, don't want to mess it up, don't think it'd be worth it. Mm. It is the most amazing thing ever. It's just, there's nothing, I love my kids more than anything, and I'm so happy I've had them. How many kids you got, Ryan? I've got two, two little girls, eight and three. Um, And, um, yeah, and I took the decision, uh, well, me and my partner took the decision, we were only together like a year or two, we we met when we were 28, um, and we we were together for a couple of years, and we looked at each other one day, and we just said, it's like we knew we needed a kid so we, we had a kid and it's, it was like I, I knew at that point but up until then I do agree with you mm. um, most men don't have the feeling I was quite happy cracking on through life it never really occurred to me well, yeah, I, mean, I did have the feeling before I had it that's the thing exactly I mean I'm not trying to make out that all men are horrible selfish people who don't want anything to do with children and people have sort of misinterpreted what I mean what I'm saying is most people like you and I Ryan you kind of don't, and even our last caller, Ian, you don't really kind of yearn for a child as a man. And I think any man who does, like our previous blogger, I think is a bit sort of unusual. But to Ryan, well, yeah, did, yeah, you did, Ryan, didn't you? You started yeah. yearning at the same time as your other half did, so that was a joint yeah, yearning. Yeah, and I think it was a natural consequence. We were 30 yeah. years old, and I thought then, I'd, I'd, I'd known enough about the world and myself to think, I think it just clicked over, though. I don't think I made the decision by thinking it. Mm. I think that inside, I just felt... Well, you know what? I feel like I'm ready to raise, and then that's what you know. That's what I did, and that's what I wanted. And she and it's felt just the same, obviously. But surely, isn't that um, isn't the comment about men probably not wanting thing? Isn't that the same as what most people in the people are assuming about Jennifer Aniston, but in a flip way? I mean, well, no. it's not the same. Same. No, no, same because I'm 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 saying I'm saying that. That's my that's my opinion, right? It not, may may not necessarily be a fact. Uh, because obviously it's not I true. Think for, it is a fact. Well, it's not true for all men. <laughs> However, I just, I, just, I, th- I think the, ge- the the biological kind of imperative for women to have children is what drives the the, re- the procreation of the human race. I don't think it's men that drive procreation, even though they are, no, you know, at least fifty percent responsible for it. I agree with you. I just feel that um, necessarily. I know Jennifer Aniston's personally a bit aggrieved by it, and then they say that the conversation, you know, like uh, the misconception that all women should want kids and then they don't. But isn't that just like a a consequence of society and it's not necessarily anyone's misgivings towards anyone it's just something that sort of happens you think that about men i feel that about men as well do you think women that don't have that's what we rationalize well yeah but do you think women that don't have children are inadequate oh my god no no but what i feel is that obviously most women it seems 
do go for um, children or aspire to have children. So therefore, the feelings are. I, I think that we get so scared of using generalisations in case we offend anyone. Yeah. And really, they're just. It's just actually that's just facts. You know, that's knowledge. You're just you're applying knowledge, and and it might come across as funny, and it might be awkward for some people. Yeah. Um, well, there is a reason why stereotypes exist. You know, stereotypes exist because they're based on the truth, yeah. unfortunately. But yeah. it's not true for absolutely everyone. Ryan, appreciate it. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank indeed. you, Ryan. Uh, Ryan there in the New Forest. I mean, the thing about it is, I, I suppose, I mean, there's nothing worse, for example, than the kind of what we used to call the smug marrieds. You know, the people that get married and are so lovey-dovey with each other. And everywhere they go, they're sort of holding hands and, you know, kissing each other. And people get very fed up with Yuck. that. And in the same way as people who have children... Uh, will do nothing other than bring their children everywhere they go uh, and then sort of, you know, impose all their pictures of their children on you and say, oh, isn't it amazing to have children? I mean, I had somebody that, that was like that that I knew uh, who was actually related, who married to a cousin of mine. And every time I'd see them, he was like, oh, I can't believe how amazing the children, you know, this my little girl is, look at what she's doing. I'm like, I couldn't care less, mate. You know, I love it's, my own children. Is, yeah. I really don't love yours. If you don't have any ch- kids at all, yeah. it must be even more... Uh, irritating and unfortunately it can um, drive a, a wedge between friends as well it's like you know friends I think I grew that's up true with, you know really really good friends and you know their lives went down one path when they had families and I had no touching base with them anymore yeah. there was nothing we had in common right. and they weren't you know they weren't nauseous about their children they were just ordinary with them but it was just like I, I can't you know I can't I don't know what to talk about with yeah. you anymore. I can't do the crack nipple conversation. No. I can see know. that's really scarred you. I'm terribly I just sorry. Don't I didn't want to mean think to. about crack nipples. Thank you. Well, I don't Especially think about them. Yours. You know, it's not like I think about them from morning, noon, <laughs> to night. I just, I mean, in fact, until today, I hadn't thought about them at all. Uh, who is that woman? Uh, says an, in, uh, an anonymous texter. The most selfish woman I've ever heard in my life. Not you. Uh, it's all about Thea. Oh. And uh, Jodie, on the other hand, says, I want to be best friends uh, with Thea and Dawn. Uh, best interview I've heard all year. Being child free is definitely the path to happiness. More money, spontaneous holidays and a two-seater sports car what's not to love well to be honest <laughs> if you had a dog you wouldn't be able to have any of those things either, I don't like dogs either. a dog has put more of a cramp uh, yeah. in my ability to travel spontaneously they do. than the children did yeah pets do because absolutely dogs with, with kids you can pretty much bring them with you you can't always take the dog no absolutely you know which is unfortunate across the uk online and on dab the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio so if you enjoyed that be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1 monday to friday on talk radio via dab online or via the talk radio app if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.